from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNY News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Emotional intelligence is a critical component of leadership development. It's about being self-aware and knowing your emotions, what triggers those emotions, and how those emotions impact your communication with others and your decision-making process, says Brandy Stankovic. I'm Jennifer Plager, a senior editor for CUNA News and Credit Union Magazine. I recently spoke with Stankovic, the chief strategy officer at CU Solutions Group. She spoke about emotional and gender intelligence, how to improve your emotional intelligence, the benefits of being aware of your emotions, and more during a conversation with the CUNA News Podcast. Brandy, you hear the term emotional intelligence thrown around a lot. What exactly is emotional intelligence? I think emotional intelligence is a critical component to leadership development in general. And really, it's about a self-look. And so often people will say to me, I want to learn about emotional intelligence so I can control someone else's emotions. Or I can take a look at or understand somebody else better. And really, emotional intelligence is about a a self-perspective. And so I break it down in the studies and work that I do with different institutions into self-awareness and self-management or regulation, and then how that translates or works into things like empathy and social skills and our motivation, both intrinsically as, as well as the way we can motivate others, the people that are around us. And I think that strong leaders recognize this impact that emotional intelligence has on their own communication and social capacity, and our ability to to manage and recognize our own emotions also helps us better facilitate and empower the emotions of other people. So, in effect, emotional intelligence does impact the people around us, of course, but it is all through the self So can you give an example of a maybe a a real-life situation where emotional intelligence will come to play and and maybe make a good leader and maybe a leader that needs to work on their emotional intelligence a little bit? I think that one of the places that I see the greatest difference with emotional intelligence is in young leaders. And when I work with young leaders, I have this conversation quite a bit that that even if a person has been around the block, even if the person has had a tremendous amount of experience in their institution or in the industry, the emotional maturity, the business maturity, the emotional intelligence that that leader has is really evident. A young leader coming into a situation will have some uh, more reactive modes to different things that that come to play. So if a, a board situation happens or if a a lawsuit occurs or if a bad examination report comes back or if any of the things that occur, and if you've been a CEO for 20 years, they've happened 20 times, but as a young professional and maybe you've come into this role and only have been in it in the last five, some of these things you may have not been faced with in the same way that you're being faced with them now. And so the way, the approach that we go about them, it's really evident that emotional intelligence is there. And so that is, that's when it becomes our, comes to play. And more that a young leader in those situations or somebody that hasn't had the experience, the emotional maturity, can approach it and remove the emotion from it or manage their own emotions or recognize the the, the impact that their emotion is having on their decision-making, the better able they will be uh, to get to their end result. And so that's the key. 
when it comes to emotional intelligence in general, it's having that self-awareness to understand what's happening inside of us and understand how it's, it's really making the, the unconscious more conscious. And so being able to take those emotions and manage them accordingly. So when we're able to manage through them to get to the ultimate result or decision-making step that we want to get to. And sometimes we don't, if we haven't been faced with the situation before, we aren't prepared for the emotions that come with certain situations. And so that's when I see the greatest, the greatest differentiation between someone that has that, that built-in maturity and, and someone that doesn't. Is emotional intelligence something that you're born with a certain level of, or is it something that you can take steps to improve? Definitely not born with. As a matter of fact, I've met some younger people that are very self-aware and really great at, at managing, and I've met some older people that just aren't, right? So it isn't, it isn't something that I think some people are born with, some people aren't, or, or even something that naturally is acquired as someone ages either. It is certainly something that people have to make a conscious skill that we go after as leaders. It is part of leadership development. And so recognizing our own emotions and, ha- and understanding how to improve that. And really it just becomes putting it in the forefront and saying, this is, something that I want to improve on. I want to have a greater intuition. I want to understand myself a little better. And one of the ways to do that from an awareness perspective is to know and broaden your own emotional vocabulary and talk and work with a lot of uh, groups about their emotional vocabulary and having a more robust vocabulary. So being able to identify, acknowledge, and label their own emotions because self-awareness is the ability to identify your own emotions. So understanding the awareness, the management of those emotions, how we can become more effective within it. So the example of that might be maybe you've met somebody that says, you know, when you say, how are you? They say, fine. And everything, and fine could be a range of bad to good and being able to understand what that means and be able to dig in. Because if someone's angry versus frustrated versus stressed versus jealous, those are all very different emotions. And if we can understand, tailor, identify those, then we can combat them a little differently and as well as what's happening within ourselves. And also understand what other kind of physiological and mental responses we have to those uh, those different reactions. And then once you have that, that robust vocabulary, then to be aware of within ourselves triggers and other destructive emotions that occur. So triggers are things that, that cause us to, to be emotional and that could be good or bad emotions. And then destructive emotions I define as any sort of emotion that gets in our way and gets in the way of, of the ultimate result that we want to have. And again, they could be good emotions or bad. So a destructive emotion might be stress. It might be the or our response to stress. It might be anger. It might be fear, insecurity. But it also could be an overabundance of energy or not being able to focus. So it could be something that's a positive side of you that could get in your way of articulating effectively in the right situation. And so having being able to identify, acknowledge, and label, as well as beware of those triggers and destructive emotions is the key to awareness. And so circling back to your original question in that is, it is a journey. Emotional intelligence will forever be a journey for people. And it isn't something that people will naturally obtain as they get older. And some people aren't born with it or, or you know, or not. It, are there some people that are innately a little bit more aware of themselves? Sure. But I think that usually comes with the experiences they've had in their lives, not necessarily some chromosome difference. 
What about gender intelligence? That's a, that's a term that I hadn't really heard of it much before um, until I, I read about your session that you had presented at, at HROD a couple weeks ago. So what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about gender intelligence? I tie in gender intelligence with emotional intelligence because I like to explore the value of gender differences in the workplace. There are some, some natural strengths that women collectively, generally speaking, have, and there are some strengths that, that men, generally speaking, have. And of course, are there exceptions to all the rules? Yes. Are there women that, that do not communicate in the same way? Yes. And so that we have to be open to that. There are going to be people that are, that are really great in some areas that just don't fall into the norms. But generally speaking, men can be superior in some of the areas of emotional intelligence. Women can be superior in some of the areas. Um, some of those things are women tend to be naturally more self-aware than men do. They'll, they'll, as, as a matter of fact, that this is the competency that, that is the greatest differentiation between men and women. From emotional self-awareness standpoint, women will excel at this competency. Now, what they do with that awareness is a completely different story. But most of the time, women know their emotions. They know what's happening. They know that they are emotional or what is happening within their body. They know that they're feeling something. And men may not be as tapped into that as women are. And again, what they do with that is, is a completely different uh, topic. So then if we go into the self-regulation, men are, and again, generally speaking, better able to regulate their emotions than women are, generally speaking. And so when it comes to a stressful situation, comes to decision-making, men are able to tune out emotion and make decisions in a moment. And, and that's a powerful skill. And so it's really both men and women kind of recognizing that, seeing where they fall in that, that, that spectrum, and then making adjustments. Gender intelligence really then becomes the ability for recognizing that there are differences, which makes us beautiful. And is, is that, again, is that something that you can kind of improve on yourself when you realize there's a, a, a something where you're lacking or that sounds a little harder to do? I mean, speaking as a woman, I know it's hard to keep my emotions at, at bay sometimes when I'm making a decision. Awareness becomes a opportunity to make decisions and move forward. If we can move things from the unconscious to the conscious, then we can do something about it or choose to have that be part of who we are. And so whether it's, you know, that, that grumpy cat face, <laughs> you've seen that online or anybody that's listening to the podcast, maybe you're aware of this, that, that, the, the memes and things that are out there about the grumpy cat, people will say that I have this resting grumpy cat face. With this, there are other words to describe it, but this negative look on their face. And I say to them, if you want to have that and you're aware that you have that, okay, then, then cool. Continue on in life being a grumpy cat. But if you don't want to be that person, then choose not to be that person and recognize that that's how you come across to other people. And so it's an awareness of it. And I'm using a trivial example and then, you know, we can apply it, you know, further on, but it all becomes another tool in your toolbox to then say, how am I coming across to others? Because ultimately the end result is being a better leader, is being more effective in our communication, our decision-making. And so if you recognize that you are not regulating your emotion or you have certain triggers, then knowing what those triggers are and going into them accordingly. So an example for me personally is I have recognized that I have a destructive emotion that I call my mama bear. 
And that is a term that I've only discovered in the last few years of having children. I did not know it existed. And I don't know if anybody listening will, will relate to this, but anything that has to do with my children, I have these emotions that surface that I don't know how to control. Now, you know, and people that know that know me, I work with CEOs and boards of directors, very powerful people all the time. And, and I usually can be really great at articulating and communicating effectively. It doesn't matter how stressful the situation. And then I, if I, anything has to do with my kids, I just all goes out the window. And I was in this situation where my preschooler, we were trying to get him moved into a class and it wasn't good for him. And he was stressed and he was sitting in my lap and, and I could tell he was stressed because he was grinding his teeth and the principal was kind of yelling at me. And, and all I had to do was just communicate my three points that I wanted to make to the principal. And I just, like, I just end up crying just so inappropriately in this meeting. And I left there going, what just happened? I had no control over whatever came out of my mouth whatsoever. And I clearly was not effective in my communication. And so from that, I have now recognized that is a part of me. And I'm not to the place yet in management that I can actively regulate that. And so I know it and I anticipate it. And I go into those meetings now with something written down. Because if those emotions surface, which I'm pretty sure they will, I can at least be able to read my bullets or prepare for that or send something in advance to the principal. These are the things I want to talk about. Because ultimately, again, the end result is effectively communicating, making decisions, and getting to, to where I want to be. And I don't want to let my emotions get in the way of that. And that, those disruptive emotions that I have, have determined inside of me, that I'm not going to let that stand. And so if they're for the gender intelligence, the emotional intelligence, it's all about people just recognizing those things in themselves and not letting it be an inhibitor or even a place that they that become more lazy because of it, but instead just looking at it as, okay, this is part of me. How do I anticipate, work with, and, and become bigger and grow from? When it comes to the workplace, what are the benefits of recognizing your emotions and how they impact your decision-making and your communication skills and knowing how your gender plays a role, what what are those kind of benefits that people can see from putting in some work and recognizing these things? One of the most powerful is from an empathy standpoint, which is one of the pillars of emotional intelligence, it fosters rapport and chemistry that if you can build relationships with the people that you work with, you get more done. And empathy does create an environment that fosters rapport and chemistry. And so the message that you are getting across isn't lost. You can effectively communicate better electronically if you have strong relationships with people in person. And the more chemistry that a team has, the quicker meetings can become. All of that plays a role. And so not allowing things like elephants in the room to slow you down, not allowing passive-aggressive behavior, all of those cultural artifacts, dynamics, sludge that happens, invisible that happens in organizations, if they could be hit head-on through some emotional intelligence, through all leaders actively pursuing improvement in these areas, then it will just make us more effective overall. And I mean, an example of that is if you've ever been sitting at your desk and you see the phone ring and you, and it's not something that you, something you like and you just kind of go, ugh, before you answer the phone or maybe send it to voicemail or any of those kinds of things. All of that just 
slows us down. Or you have that employee that will do anything they can not to work with another employee. And you think to yourself, if you had just worked with that employee, you'd probably be done with the project by now. <laughs> the amount of energy that's put into not working with somebody or, you know, all the, the bureaucracy or things that people create, all of that can be very ineffective. And so empathy can foster rapport and chemistry. On the, the social skills side, the more social awareness, the more uh, emotional intelligence, the, the stronger innate confidence that both men and women can have, the more effective communicators they become, then, then the more powerful leaders that they can become. And that is effective for all in the organization from the bottom to the top. So it sounds like emotional intelligence, gender intelligence, really not something that's limited to leaders must have. Everybody within the organization really could benefit from, from getting in tune with those ideas, correct? Absolutely. Emotional intelligence impacts decision-making. It impacts change tolerance. It impacts a person's time management and how much time things end up taking, uh, a team's ability to work together. It also, if on the communication realm, can impact some of these presentation skills or their overall networking and social skills. It can impact member service. It also will hit in the realm of trust and accountability, some of flexibility. It, it does impact learning and whether or not somebody feels safe in an environment to learn, so their overall attitude and approach. So it hits all sides of an organization. And there was even some studies done, I believe it was through Harvard, and that if two leaders were of equal stature on their resume and at equal kind of qualifications, that the, the person that ends up succeeding is the one that has this this higher emotional intelligence, that leadership success is attributed to a higher EQ. It's the ones that are moving. If, if two candidates are moving up the ladder, the person with the higher EQ will be the one that advances. That's a good point. You bring up that, that idea of the resume. And if you're deciding between two candidates and one has the higher EQ than the other, from the person making that hiring decision, how, how is that something that you look for? In the interview process, one, I think the basic way is ask them what their relationship is with emotional intelligence, make sure they know what it is and what they've studied and what their approach is on the subject. And then two, listen to the language that they use in conversation and how they describe certain situations, how inclusive their language is, if they're teams, if it's an I-driven scenario versus a we. And sometimes it's appropriate to have either one of those. If it's too inclusive, then you wonder how many things they drove on their own. If it's too eye-focused, then are they are they not building a team or, or pushing the, the followers and the groups that are with them? And then the third place is to ask scenario-driven questions. Tell me about a time when. So if you are faced with a challenge in the organization and what you did about that challenge or tell me about a time when you worked with a certain product, a certain solution, a certain difficult member, a certain, and then, and then hear how they approach that afterwards, because the, the actions, the behaviors behind situations will give you a better highlight of the type of leader that they are. Is it possible to have two individuals that are completely opposite in terms of their emotional intelligence or that just no matter what they try, they just won't be able to work effectively together? I think it's always possible to have two people that are opposite poles of, you know, mag magnetism. Yes. I mean, there are always going to be the opportunity or the, the potential to have people that just don't like each other. 
Um, now, should those individuals grow up and learn how to work effectively on a team if, if they want to be part of that team? Yes. And, and that just is regular maturity. That doesn't even have to be emotional maturity, right? But I think that uh, when it comes to emotional intelligence in general, the more aware that I can be and how I come across to others, the more sensitive I can become to how I can adjust my language, my style in an authentic way. So situational leadership, authentic leadership is not me becoming somebody else, not me being a chameleon. It's me being authentically me, the best version of me for the situation that's there. And so I'm still going to be me, but a a me that works most effectively with that other individual. And if both individuals are willing and able to do that, then there should be no reason why they couldn't come to some sort of consensus. And I think that if there is an environment where they're just not going to work effectively together, then that means somebody's putting their heels in or somebody's being stubborn and and not able to do it. Or there could be some inherent value integrity differences. If that's the case, then then maybe it's just not a right fit for for someone on the team. Is this idea of emotional and and gender intelligence, is this becoming more mainstream? Like it's not something new and becoming more kind of accepted in terms of this is something that we have to pay attention to as leaders and in the workplace? Emotional intelligence has been around, I believe, since the early 90s, Daniel Goldman, maybe even from before, and it was something that was a very hot topic then, then took a back seat when the economy took the dive, uh, because when we're focused on the uh, numbers, we're focused on the bottom line, we get a little bit less focused on the softer skills of leadership. That's just the natural way of business. And then it has come to the forefront again in the last five to 10 years. And it is something that is increasingly important for, for all people to be paying attention to. Yes, I think it's, it's essential for all businesses. Yes, I think it is important for us to be thinking about as, as organizations, as credit unions. Gender intelligence is my terminology in how it relates to emotional intelligence and what's happening in the world today with everything from harassment prevention to greater diversity and inclusion to just making sure you have the best people on your team. And I think that that's the ultimate goal. And every leader, every CEO out there would agree that we want to have an effective, safe, productive, efficient, and just a kick-butt team and understanding emotional intelligence and, and really having that be at the forefront is a big part of that and will allow us to continue to build our teams. And so if an organization isn't thinking about this, they should be and should be part of, of the conversation. Is somebody walking away from listening to this podcast, what are the kind of the big things that, that you hope folks take away in terms of their knowledge about emotional and gender intelligence? I think that first, we want to continue to learn and continue to understand, drive, and know about ourselves. The more that we can continue to broaden our own awareness, continue to broaden our own management and regulation, the better. As leaders, just recognizing that it's never okay to have been around the block and not be willing to go around the block again. And so to broaden our own understanding is important. The second is to always get up and build the in-person relationship when possible. That chemistry, that, that rapport, that affinity with different groups, even if you work remotely, take value, take pride in the time that you do have together, use multimedia channels, Skype and things like that to 
build that in-person as much as you can because electronic communication can really get us in, in, in the times of emotional intelligence that people can read into words more if you don't have a strong in-person relationship. The third would be to be as authentic as you possibly can in all of it, even if it is situational. Be you, be open to it, but don't be lazy in you. Don't uh, be rebellious in being you. Be the best version of you for whatever situation is there. Number four being broadening your emotional vocabulary, understanding those triggers, understanding that the, the destructive emotions that the story that I gave um, with my children, that that's an important piece, that awareness. And the last one, to, to be aware of stress, that stress causes physiological responses in us that can be very uncontrollable. People can lose their train of thought. People can cry. People can get upset. People can um, sweat, you know, things that we can't stop once they start occurring. With that happening, then we aren't able to be as effective as we want to be. And so the more that you can put yourself in situations that cause those moments and safe situations that cause those moments, and then your body can learn how to, to manage it. Stress is a, a, a difficult thing, and it really can impact the body and impact the emotions. And as leaders, we're faced with stress every day. And so how we can, it's a, it's a reality. It's a real reality. The more that we can learn to release and give our staff a safe environment, the more fun we can have, then we'll develop and strengthen the entire team. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.